What's up, guys? Welcome back. I'm Colton McCormack. And this is certified, right? I fucked that up. <laughs> What's up, guys? Welcome back. I'm Colton McCormack. This is a certified wrench podcast. Sitting here in a shop in the hot, nasty fucking shit with my boy Spencer. Spencer Jeans. What's happening? <laughs> Y'all gonna have to deal with the fans because it's still like 100 degrees out here, 6 o'clock at night. Mm hmm. I uh, went to a motorcycle deal today and rode in this shit. It just wasn't fun. It was alright though. I was out at baseball, so it was horrible. <laughs> anyway, this is Spencer. We used to work together for a little while, right? At the Deer dealership. But uh, Spencer does a little bit different line of work than what we're used to hearing on this thing. He is a line bore. Wh- what do you call yourself? Machinist? Yeah, field welder machinist. And he is an owner-operator. Um pretty new now right it's almost two years pretty close to two years is it really holy shit getting old (laughs) anyway uh let's uh let's hear about your story and how you got into this and this whole owner operator thing now well i started out i was building uh trenchers for a company here local built a bunch of trenchers for like five years we built a train for amtrak just kind of got burnt out, was moved to the top of the... God damn it. Did you hear that? Yep. <laughs> no, you're good. Go ahead. I moved up pretty quick, kind of got burned out, so I started looking around at different options. A guy kind of showed me some line boring for, I don't know, pretty much showed me uh, don't put your hands in places that it don't need to go. Don't put your hands where you don't put your dang dang. Yep. And uh, kind of ran to the bathroom and YouTube some stuff and figured out you can't find anything about line boring on YouTube at least, I don't know, probably like seven years ago you couldn't. <laughs> Maybe longer than that. We are getting old. Yeah. Then uh, I kind of reached out to Cat, seeing what they had to offer. Mm-hmm. And they actually shut me down the first time whenever I applied. So you kind of... out how. Did you get into wrenching? Well, first of all, were you a wrencher at all, or no? I was been more always uh, welding. Really? I guess before that, yeah, I built some trailers for a place right out of school. Yeah. How'd you get into welding and stuff? Uh, just in the garage with my dad, and then I went to a, a small trade school here local for a year and a half, and then uh, signed on with the company right out of trade school. Building uh, trailers and sand silos. I did that for like a year, and then I started building the trenchers. And uh, the big motherfuckers, or what? Yeah, those big the pipeline. Really? Yeah, Tesmec trenchers. Huh. And um, I don't know. Just always been welding, and then kind of got burned out on welding. Started looking for other stuff to do. We got a lot of extra activities. Yeah, everybody's wanting to talk to us now. (laughs) I got you. So you, the the cat dealer, 
Is that what you said? Yep. You tried to get on with them? Yeah, the first time. It was a pretty good distance from the house, but I was ready for something new. I was willing to move to go work for them, but mm. after they shut me down, I kind of seen, you know, how they were and how they acted. And then I don't know, maybe about three months later, they had a position opened up for, uh, it was actually a night shift position. And I got hired on with them, and I knew very little about Lineborn at the time. <laughs> and uh, I hired on, you know, they were willing to train me and whatnot, but I picked up on it pretty quick. <laughs> and within, I don't know, maybe two months of working with them, I got a CDL, and I was, you know, doing all the big jobs mm. within like three months so they kind of i don't know i won't throw anybody under the bus but they uh they didn't want to take care of me for me progressing so fast really yep as in compensation or what do you mean yeah pretty much they kind of told me that the truck was uh, a raise whenever i got into the truck <laughs> started driving it home even though they really won't even let you go to the grocery store in it. On your way home? Yep. I got you. Well, what I hear about that place, it's a lot different than even five years ago. Oh, I'm sure every place is different. Yeah. Anyway, where'd you go? Uh, how long did you work there? Uh, like seven months. That's it? Yep. And then you went to the deer dealership from there? Yep. Cat was the shortest job I've ever had. <laughs> Anyway, we used to work together at the, the construction deer dealer together. And uh, how long did you work there? Uh, maybe a little over five years, somewhere in there. And I would, I'd say you left a few months after I did, right? Because I've been at my current job for two years in September. Yeah, I left right at the beginning of a year. Damn. And then you... Uh, yep. Explain to these folks, uh, like, what you do, like what you did, how, how you them. did it. Oh, well, I mean, like, because you're an owner-operator now, you know, own your own business. You know, you bought your own truck and shit. Let's talk about that. Well, I mean, obviously, I always had it in the back of my head, you know, always scared. For years, I was scared. Mm-hmm. And, uh... I don't know, kind of, I met some guys, some independent guys that did a bunch of mobile mechanic work. And they were kind of really the best I've ever seen as far as independent. And they kind of showed me a little bit. And I had a good opportunity to go work for them. And they uh, they pretty much told me that if, you know, if I jumped out and was to leave, that I would always have somewhere with them doing mechanic work. Mm -hmm. And I'm not a mechanic by far. <laughs> <laughs> um, don't have no intentions to be a mechanic. So they kind of really pushed me and yeah. showed me what it would take to uh, kind of showed me the ins and outs, all the stuff I was nervous about and uh, kind of led me to jump. And I've been, you know, I've had everybody tell me to, to go out and do it, that do it for themselves or I'd always regret it. Yeah, I hear that all the time. Yeah. So you either you have to do it and you're always going to be scared to do it or you're going to regret not doing it. I hear a lot, you know, you got to spend quite a bit of money in the beginning. Is it true? Like you got to spend a lot of money to make a little money. 
Is it? Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll I, get to that. I could have bought like three houses, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to the the new rig here in a few, but yeah. It didn't always I didn't always have nice stuff when I started, you know. I jumped out. I knew exactly what I wanted and what it would take whenever I did get out. Mm-hmm. And I didn't I left, you know, and started my own business before I even had all my equipment. Yeah, I remember. And a lot of people don't believe that. But I I really, I left and I became, I guess, an independent mechanic for probably, <laughs> it was close to five months. Yeah, because you had the truck before you had all your line bore shit, right? Yep. I actually bought my truck um, probably about two weeks before I ended up leaving the deer dealer. Mm-hmm. And I, I was not expecting to leave that fast, but an opportunity came and I knew if I didn't take it, then... I wasn't ever going to. Yeah. So I kind of, I'd like to ask, like, did you leave because you were unhappy or you just knew that you were, you know, wanting to do your own thing? A little bit of both? Uh, I was never unhappy with the dealership style. You know, I always had... I went in, did my work, and left, you know, and went home. I got to shut work off. Mm-hmm. That's stuff you don't think about whenever you do it for yourself. <laughs> but, you know, I would like to think even with a dealer, you know, I would go in and do the jobs, and everybody would always laugh, but I would almost have every Friday off. Yeah. Because I was working Monday through Thursday <laughs> and doing everything that I needed to do so I could have my freedom, you know, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And they and, didn't bat an eye at that, did they? No, they, no, I wouldn't say they, there was jokes made about it, but whenever you looked at my efficiency and the stuff that I accomplished in those four days, Mm -hmm. then, you know, all they could do was joke about it. It just seemed to me like, you know, I I don't want to talk shit or nothing, but there was always an issue as far as like, no matter what you did, you know, you did your job fine, but there was always an issue, and it something was getting nitpicked. And I remember talking to you a few times, and you were pissed off, like, fuck, fuck this guy, fuck this people, or whatever. It wasn't so much, it was my coworkers, I would have to say. Um, yeah, throwing a fit. Yeah, I don't do, like, this is not union kind of work, yeah. so I don't do well with picking and choosing your jobs. Yeah. That really aggravates me, and that's how kind of a lot of these places want to pick your pay scale, too, is, Mm -hmm. you know, how long have you been doing it? I haven't been doing it that long at all, so, but I I would be willing to compete with some of the best of them. Mm -hmm. So, before we get into, you know, bullshitting about you and your line of work, everybody wants to talk about Tool Talk. I figure we can jump into that topic just because you uh, you do a little bit different thing. I'd like to, I'm curious about what type of tooling you use. You know what you need because you don't really take a bunch of shit apart, right? No, not necessarily. I mean, there is occasions that I will have to take stuff apart to get to what I need, but it's nothing. But you're not splitting fucking loaders and stuff yourself, right? No, I would be lost. <laughs> so. I do keep colored zip ties, though. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. So I don't use zip ties. I have uh, 
telephone fiber wire. Op- yeah, fiber yeah. optic line or whatever it's called. I don't remember what the hell it's called, but there's like a thousand wires in that. Yeah. Strand. Anyway, um, we don't really have to talk about line bore stuff, but like, are you, first of all, you drink the Milwaukee Kool-Aid. I can see it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I got a lot of Milwaukee's. I've just bought a Milwaukee weed eater, matter of fact, because <laughs> it's lightweight. Electric? Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yep. No, I'm just kidding about that, though. Like, what? The snap-on stuff, though, somebody gave to me. Oh, I got you. Okay. Yeah, we're literally sitting right next to Milwaukee shit. Um, What kind of tooling do you actually need for to be a line bore guy? Like, is it kind of the basic shit that I have, or? Uh, You're going to need, like, hand tools and stuff. Um, I mean, you're not going to need nothing. You may need some half-inch stuff, but other than that, you're going to need, like, specialty line bore equipment that holds up. If you use it every day, you can't buy the cheap stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's cheap really anymore, but you're gonna. I mean, I bought, I branched out and bought all brand new stuff because I knew that I was gonna be using it every day. Yep. You know, and I'm still buying stuff. I've I'm all I'm almost on my second set right now. Oh so, shit! Yeah. <laughs> it, just to keep up, you know, because I go out there and I'm doing, you know, multiple holes at one time. And to be competitive, you know, you got you got to have multiple setups. Mm-hmm. How uh, how often are you finding yourself like making tools? Um, I try not to, because um, I don't have that much free time. <laughs> A lot of the times, if I need something, I'm I just try to order it on the job so I don't forget. Or, you know, if I need, you know, custom stuff works, uh, you know, certain jobs, I will, you know, I'll have to come home and make it and then go to the job, go back to the job, you know, so I can do it. But it's it's nothing like, it's custom tools for line boring, not anything else. Yeah, I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah, I, fuck tools, but, you know, I, I really... The line, I don't know anything about line boring as far as tooling. I know how it's done. I know what it takes, but as far as tooling and stuff, so. I, but we don't really even have to get into that shit. Like, yeah, as it's far as your, your bars and all that shit. But if you guys, you know, are interested in learning about line boring, one of my favorite YouTube channels is uh, Cutting Edge Engineering. Have you ever watched that show or that no. YouTube channel? They. It's a fellow named Curtis over in Australia. Oh, yeah. And he's a bad motherfucker, dude. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, or Icy Weld. Yeah. Um, here in Austin, I think. I heard of him. I don't know him. But, yeah, I dude, I'll sit and watch a 40-minute video on this motherfucker cutting a weld out of a cylinder. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, so let's talk about getting into doing your own thing and... If, was it a bitch? Uh, there was a lot of unknowns. Um, a lot of people doubted me, I would say. You know, I left a good job to jump out and do something that, you know, I didn't know was going to work mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of people supporting me, but I had a lot more doubting me. Um, so it works both ways. I would say... But all the unknowns, you know, I'm still coming across unknowns. Oh, yeah. I'm non- sure you will for a few yeah, years. Nonstop. Um, the big thing is, you know, like, you got MSHA, you got, you know, DOT, you mm-hmm. got 
all the insurance people want you know your how how are my tools covered on my truck and that's a big deal i still don't know about it you know <laughs> all all i can do is cover for way more than what i got and yeah and hope that they replace half of it because you know you ask questions and people are like well all you got to do is tell them how much money you got on there and then uh they'll cut you a check i'm like mm, i don't think it works like that see i've heard goods and beds you know um when i worked in my first shop it the one we had two shops that were separate from each other and the one shop that i wasn't in it was like a secondary shop it burned down oh yeah and the insurance company straight up came in and was like we just need an inventory of your guys' tools or whoever lost them and they straight cut a check for what you know like $95,000 for one toolbox with full tools type thing yeah and then you know I talked to my insurance company and they say you know everything depreciates so if if you're rolling around with $300,000 worth of tools which is very realistic yeah but how do they go like uh, how do they judge that depreciation on tools I mean, well, you got if you used it, it depreciates. It's not new anymore. You've got thirteen thousand twists on this thirteen millimeter wrench. I don't know, and I don't want to find out. I really would like to keep all the tools that I have. Yeah, I, I get that. That just blows my mind. Yeah, but I mean, that's stuff you got to think about. And two, you know, the biggest thing is, is if something was to happen and everything came up missing, I don't know every single tool that I have on my truck. Yeah. It would take me probably ten jobs to figure out what I'm missing. So, and so what I don't have. Talking about that, get this shit. <laughs> I'm at work the other day, and I, every night, lock my truck up front to back, except for the bumper. I don't, because, oh, you yeah. know, you got your two little fold-down doors. Where the straps side. go? Well, I keep my long, like, my rock bar, my big-ass oh, yeah. pry bar, my big uh, hose, or hose wrench, pipe wrench, and all that stuff. And the other day, I'm out setting up a 870G with uh, my resident... And I go to pull the, <laughs> I go to pull my big pry bar out and my rock bar. I'm like, where the fuck did I leave those? And I'm sitting there thinking about it, and I start looking. I'm missing my big ass three quarter inch breaker bar, my pipe wrench, a rock bar, my big Matco pry bar, huge pry bar. And I'm sitting there like, what the fuck? I didn't use any of that. You left a door open and went around no. the corner. No, no. Somebody either came to my house or in a parking lot somewhere. Oh yeah, and took that shit out because it can't. It doesn't have anywhere to slide out. Yep, giggity. Um, and it fucking. It, I just so now I'm starting to replace that shit. But how the fuck are you gonna know to open up that door and steal all that shit out of there? Well, they probably tried to grab all the other ones first, but nothing was messed with, or mm. that I know of. This yeah. could have happened four weeks ago. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. Anyway. I try, I try to lock mine up. Just getting a habit of. All the time. If I'm not in it and I'm not at the house working out of it, it pretty much stays locked up. Hell yeah. Yeah, I try to do the same thing. I lost my train of thought on the next topic. Uh, so a lot of people know Spencer already just because of the shout out I gave him on Instagram and Facebook, right? When yeah, you first bought so. your second truck. Yep. How was a how's owning a CDL required truck? It's not bad, you know. I had a lot of people telling me not to do it just because of all the 
all the paperwork and stuff you have to, but if you carry so many tools, there's only so much you can do in a 550. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I'd rather do all the paperwork than, I don't know, my first truck was, it got me by. You know, I made a lot of money out of it, but in the downtime, I also, you know, in the middle of customers, I was in here working on that thing almost every night, you know, between some jobs, staying up all night till three o'clock in the morning just to get it going so I can go out and work the next day. Mm-hmm. You can't just call the customer and say, uh, yeah, my, my truck's not running. I'm not going to be able to fix your machine. Yeah, I understand. So it is, uh, it's, it's nice, you know, having one I don't have to work on as much. It's still not brand new. But uh, I do take good care of it, and hopefully this one will last me a long time. It's a good-looking truck, man. And if, uh, well, I'm going to give you another shout-out since you're going to be on the podcast, but um, if anybody wants to check it out, it's somewhere on Instagram. <laughs> it's a purdy truck. Yep. So I had to get it polished on a little bit to make it fit me. It wasn't always pretty, but. Yeah. Well, so I put a little love in it. I know, I know you got a CDL, but like when I got my CDL, the first or you know at first, I took my license test in an automatic truck. Oh yeah. So I don't have the shifting endorsement or whatever. Yep. Did you? Do you have that? No. So I took my. They made that a rule like two years after, I took mine. I think. Oh, so you're skate. You can skate by on it or. If you get no, caught, I, you're I get have trouble. no restrictions. Oh shit! Yeah. Okay. So I can I can drive a standard. Technically, I couldn't drive your truck legally. Yeah, legally. Well, I can barely drive it, but uh, <laughs> legally, I can. It blows my mind, and now we have all this new thing to where, you know, you have to pay eight or ten thousand dollars <laughs> to go get. Yeah, to go do a whole week worth of class. And no, it's a, it's like a month. Oh, really? Yeah. Or more. Yeah. See, that's another... I guess the DMVs won't let you just walk in there anymore. Mm-mm. So you have to schedule an appointment. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I'm on like four weeks of my schedule. So any day now, I should be able to go in there and renew my license. Mm. I got you. So you want to talk about some shit? Yeah, we can. Um, how do you uh, separate work from family time, especially owning your own gig? Uh, I still struggle with it. Um, you know, it's not so bad anymore now that I have a good customer base and they kind of understand. But whenever I first jumped out, it was, it was really difficult. I was willing to do, you know, anything at any time just to get my name out there, which I mean, you know, people really already kind of knew who I was that I was doing work for, but they we're still kind of under the impression that, you know, it was still like a during business hours type deal, mm-hmm. you know, but for me, I'm, I'd rather, you know, do a job that takes three days. I'd rather knock it out in a full solid day Yeah, and only show up one time. Yeah. And, you know, you saying that, I remember you, I had to bring you a coupler that one time where we had to deliver it and I had to pick it up. Yep. I'm like, this is kind of stupid, you know, that wastes my time. But now I think about it, it actually worked out pretty good. Yeah. Especially for you. Well, that's just, you know, that's the kind of thing that I try to fit in, you know, in between other jobs, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because, you know, 
I might be starting that thing at, you know, seven o'clock at night mm-hmm. and not finishing it, you know, for another couple of days. Yeah. So actually kind of jumping off of that, how do you, I want to talk about scheduling, you know, cause I've always wondered that about owner operators, you know, especially in our line of work, how I think it's, it's probably harder for mechanics because Sometimes maybe, like, I know I go out to jobs sometimes and think it's going to take a couple hours and then it ends up fucking me over and taking a whole day. How do you schedule something if it gets screwed up, or how do you schedule your days? I mean, I pretty much know, like, I try to get good detailed pictures, you know, and if the if the customer just doesn't flat out lie and say, you know, that only this is wrong, but I show up and there's, like, four more other things wrong... I can pretty much keep my schedule within, you know, a day. Hmm. And I always, you know, I always shoot high. So if the customer tells me, you know, this is like a, a, basically for me, like a two day job, you know, I'll save a day in between. And if I can get to one earlier, I can, you know, but as far as scheduling, a lot of things that would hurt me is I show up and I pretty much demand that the parts are already there. Yeah. Because if I show up and they're not there, that's a waste of both of our times. Yeah, of course. You know, and you don't want to go off of, like, specs and then hoping that you got the right specs through the Internet or through you call the dealer and they're telling you the right thing. Because uh, you're really, I mean, you're working within thousands. Oh, you're, so yeah, you don't you're talking about, to, like, bushings and shit yeah. so you can measure them. Yep, and I pins. You. I mean... And you want to be able to test fit everything before you leave if you don't put mm-hmm. it back together. That's just my thought. I, I know a lot of people that don't, but I, I try to make sure that the parts are there and they've already at least ordered the parts and they're going to be there a couple of days before I show up. You know, a lot of the times I do get lied to and that makes it hard. That'll bump me back, you know, a couple of days with that customer. But they, I mean... They just have to go to another free day that I got. And it may be, you know, two days. It may yeah. be two weeks. You never know. <laughs> but it scheduling is the hardest part of it. You know, you show up. Last week I had three in a row that were, I showed up. And it's supposed to just be the loader arms of a bucket. Well, I show up and the loader arm is bent. The pin walked out and bent the whole loader arm. Mm. Okay, well. I don't know how you couldn't see that the loader arm wasn't bent because it, <laughs> it was it was pretty good bent. Um, so yeah, that one that one kind of had to get pushed back. Luckily, you know the customer was good. They they delivered it to my shop, and I was able to kind of work it in, you know, with my free time, and then you know straighten up most of it. Pretty much cut the whole end of the loader arm off. Mm weld it all back together and uh finish the line boring out true so they don't have any more wear problems but i guess just little stuff like that you know you show up and, you know utility customers got a coupler off their excavator and it's bent you know well stuff like that you know i try not to get too involved with a bunch of welding repairs for one because it takes up a lot of time and for two there's so many other you know welders out there that are willing to work a whole lot cheaper and i don't really like the liability of uh 
welding on a coupler too much, yeah. especially for utility comp- uh, utility companies that uh, are usually lifting something too heavy or uh, got people working underneath it. Yeah. No, I got you. But, you. but they, I mean, they have to run couplers, so. No. As far as, like, quoting jobs and all that stuff, is it hard to quote, like, through pictures and shit? Absolutely. Because, yeah. and then. You can give a guesstimate, but you don't give no estimate. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I like that. Um and how often are they going, fuck you, that's too high, and then they go to the next guy? And um, My customer base right now that I would you know, really like to keep and I take good care of, mm-hmm. a lot of them, they don't even ask for a quote. You know, they, they just want to know how soon I can get there. And if it doesn't meet their deadline, you know, they try to do something else. And uh, if that doesn't work out, they, you know, they call me and say, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm willing to wait. You know, but I would like to think a lot of them are willing to wait. You know, there's times that, you know, I'm only a few days out, and then there's times that, you know, I'm, I've am i been like two months out, and I can understand they're not willing to wait. Yeah. Yeah, that's – well, I can understand, you know, not being able to wait because they yeah. need that fucking machine. But as, as far as uh, quoting it, though, I would say – it's it's really hard to give a quote over the phone. And you you'll find out a lot of these people are you know, they they do shop around. They're looking for, you know, prices to go back and tell somebody else. And uh sometimes you, you get what you pay for and a lot of them are starting to realize that. <laughs> yeah. And I I'm from talking to a lot of people too, you know, they're they're starting to get away from dealership welders and stuff like that because it's super expensive well it's expensive and the downtime is uh yeah probably about four times as much you know because you you got a guy that's in there trying to make you know an hourly rate mm-hmm. why, why is he willing to get your machine done faster exactly thank you thank you for saying that so i you know not to get involved in how i price my stuff but i'm i'm not there to uh bill it by the hour <laughs> I'm not going to spend an extra 15 hours on your job with your machine down so I can make an extra couple hundred bucks. Yeah. Well said. Thank you. So kind of jumping back, you know, getting on, getting out on your own and stuff. How did you know it was time to make that jump? Uh, pretty much. Um, I started noticing that I, you know, really didn't like the work that I was doing anymore and I was I was starting to show up late you know barely I was calling in a little bit (laughs) uh whenever we were really slow but mainly just showing up late and just not enjoying it anymore and uh I don't know my wife kind of caught on to it she realized I wasn't liking it anymore they're they're pretty good at that shit aren't they (laughs) <laughs> yeah not that our you know everything was going bad but she could just tell something was off and she knew that i was kind of wanting to do my own thing for a while she was always pretty supportive so i guess it, i just knew I, I like i said though i put it off a long time you know a couple of my good friends that i've never even met just really off social media that mm-hmm. do it mm-hmm. and uh you know they 
they talked me into it, told me to do it since day one. My family, they didn't always approve, but I don't know. Just I just knew it was time. Yeah. Yep. You'll know whenever it's time. Yeah. I I completely agree with that statement. Um you know that's a good topic right there. Uh are you when you let's talk about customers. When do you do a lot of advertising? 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 Uh or is it more word of mouth and clientele that you already had built up? It's pretty much all word of mouth. I mean, there's very little customers that come off of Instagram. Mm. I do have a couple good customers that I met on there. But other than that, it's all word of mouth. You know, I think even your boss. My boss spreads the word for you all the time. Yeah, he's got me a few, you know. I got you a couple. Yeah, a lot. I mean, but I try to just do a good job every time, you know, whether I'm looking for future work or not. And it spreads. You know, and that it keeps it good, you know, word of mouth, because I don't ever have to worry about chasing my money a whole lot. Yeah, of course. You, you know, know, you start getting all these people off the Internet. Everybody's looking to, to get one over on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, you know, people, especially like my boss, when he's when he's recommending somebody. Yeah, that's a good thing. Yeah, my boss is hard to impress with certain things. But, I mean, you do, you get these new customers that, you know, they get your name from somewhere else. You know, it's it's hard to sell, you know, the price of what you're about to charge them, mm-hmm. you know, when they know little about what you do. Yeah, of course, and they've never all, really seen your work. Yeah, all they know is that their hole is wore out. Ah, wait, wait, <laughs> oh, dang it, I can't switch the thing. I have a that's what she said on here. Yeah. <laughs> so, now that you're getting busier stuff like that i know you recently hired somebody correctly or correctly correct yes i cannot talk just did uh that's all new to me too trying to keep somebody happy in this market you know when everybody's making really good money Mm -hmm. and uh i guess i hired somebody maybe about four weeks ago i had went on vacation I was looking for somebody before, but I went on vacation and had a pretty big uh, schedule whenever I came back, so I decided to hire somebody on full-time, and uh, he seems to be doing good, you know, progressing probably a little bit faster than I thought he would, (laughs) so we might be looking into another truck to get two on the road. Oh, that'd be sweet. Yeah, maybe free up some of my schedule a little bit. And uh, I don't know. We may keep it, both of us running in one truck, you know. I've been doing it solo for seven years, and it's always good to have somebody right there beside you. Yeah, of Showing you, you know, new ways. So is he experienced, or is he kind of an apprentice deal? Or? No, he, he has zero experience in line boring, but he's a very good welder. Hmm. So that's it's hard to find both. Yeah, you know, of course. So he he doesn't he can't read calipers and stuff yet and he's getting the hang of it. He's running the bore welder pretty good. And he you know, he can move all the equipment around, which I mean that to me is a big help. Frees up a little bit of time for me. You know, I can focus on, you know, looking at other stuff on the machine while we're there. 
and uh, you know, talking to the customers a little bit instead of just staying focused on uh, 100% on the one thing that I show yeah. up there for. Yeah. Now, so as far as the new employee and stuff like that, is it, I'm trying to figure out how I want to word this, but like training wise for you, it, is it taking a lot of time out of your day right now? Yes. Um, it does take a lot of time. There is, there's not very many schools that do line board. I mean, I guess if you buy some equipment from somebody, they may show you how to run it, mm-hmm. but they're not going to teach you how to get underneath a dozer and line bore a hole with the engine still in. And all you have removed is the, you know, the oil pan. Yeah. They're going to set up two pieces inside of a shop and you're going to learn how to turn it on and shut it off. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's pretty difficult trying to teach them, you know, but I'm not trying to rush it. And I, you know, I told them that there's, you know, there's very busy times and there's very slow times, you know, but if we're on the job site and it's 110 degrees outside, I'm, I'm probably going to be a little impatient and jump in there and do it rather than yeah. trying to teach them how to do it right then. Especially when a customer is like waiting on their machine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I guess it's not, cause I guess if he's watching you too, he's still learning, but I feel like you learn the best when you're doing hands-on shit yourself. Oh yeah. Just, I mean, from whenever he started four weeks ago, he, I mean, he didn't even know what line born was and you know, now he's he's hanging the brackets, setting the measurements, making everything, making sure everything's true, setting up the machine. I mean, pretty much already in four weeks, you know, he's doing everything but cutting the final. Damn. You know, and that he's picking up quick. So, but he he uh, he came from a background where he built uh, buckets and worked on. You know, he was a welding on cat stuff. So you sent me a Snapchat of that dude the other day. I thought it was your son. Oh, yeah? With the mullet. Yeah, he's got a little mullet. <laughs> he's good. He's a, I think he's about 22, maybe. Mm. About to have a kid, so. Cool. It's kind of just what I was looking for. So kind of jumping off of, you know, customer stuff. Uh, do you ever have any days where you don't get any calls? You know, oh yeah, for work. Oh yeah. But do you have work to fill in for those days that you don't have? I mean, work? <laughs> sometimes no. I mean, being that I only do line board work, you know, that's not. You know, companies don't do that every single day. Mm-hmm. So I mean, there's times that, you know, I may go like, three or four days without doing a job. Mm. But I take advantage of that. Yeah. You know, that makes up for those days that I just worked. You know. 14 days straight, you know, because sometimes, you know, you're working for yourself, you got to go out on a Sunday and finish something up. Yeah. And me being the person that I am, I'm not going to just start a machine on a Friday if it's a big job. And then we get to Saturday afternoon and say, oh, yeah, well, you can't, you're not going to be going till like Tuesday again. <laughs> so I'll, I'll just come back and finish it on Sunday. Yeah. Which I'm sure that. That's very appreciative of them. Oh, I mean, that's kind of of an unset deal before we get started. You know, that's not for every customer either. Yeah. You know, you got some customers, they, it doesn't bother them that the machine's down another two days. But, you know, some people, you're out there 
in the middle of a sand plant. They're watching your ass. <laughs> yeah, I don't have too many of those. <laughs> but you're out there in the middle of a sand plant, and they're losing, you know, $2,500 an hour while their machine's down. Mm-hmm. They, they don't care about your Sunday. Yeah. I, I, so that, <laughs> I know what you're getting that, at. <laughs> yeah, that, that brings it in. Yeah, I, I do travel a little bit, too, you know. Yeah, you were just not, in, what, San Antonio? Or? Yeah, I've been kind of all over. I try not to make a big deal of it, but every now and then you got to go. I think my boss just tried to get you some work up in Oklahoma or something like that. Yeah, he did. But, uh, all right. I want to talk about this so bad. I've wanted to talk about this for months. And we never, we just haven't. <laughs> I know the whole story. Um, big topic for me. Oh, beer 30. Uh, big topic for me on this podcast is how this industry can be super cutthroat and spencer here is kind of a victim of that but i think you came out on came out on top on this one and uh you know i'm glad nothing came of it to be honest with you but yeah, let's, me too. let's talk about this situation uh how far how far along were you in this gig when this situation happened a couple months uh I think it was about my second Instagram post with my new equipment. (laughs) So said deer dealership that we used to work for. I think they kind of knew that you're going out on your own, correct? Yeah, but like I said, I went to go be an independent mechanic for the first five months. Yes. Then they found out you were becoming a line board guy, right? So tell, go ahead and tell the story of what happened. I'll just, I mean, a little, you know, it's going to happen. Everybody's going to be upset whenever you leave, mm-hmm. you know, but all kinds of mechanics leave all the time and they go work for competitors or themselves or themselves, you know, but kind of what happened on my deal is, you know, I did a very big job for not even one of their customers, but it was for a deer machine and somehow they heard about it. And they looked up who had just bought all these pins and bushings for pretty much a full rebuild on like a, I think it was like a 350G, small excavator. Well, they they called the customer that I was doing the job for. I don't even know who called the customer. Pretty much they, I mean, without beating around the bush, they... They told them that they would kick me off the job site and come in there and do it half the price if they'd give them the work. Which, and go ahead. No, sorry. I just you know, my, I get fired up hearing about this yeah, shit, dude, because you know, I remember my, you called me. Yeah, my customer, you know, they, they, they immediately told me, and they didn't even ask for a discount or a discount or rate, nothing. They were just kind of knew. They were like, well, did, they asked me if I left on bad terms, and I, you know, I thought I didn't. I'd still had intentions, you know, if something happened, I would still like to go back there, mm-hmm. you know, but customer pretty much said no, that, you know, even if y'all were to come out here and have two guys on it, it would still take y'all longer <laughs> to get my machine going. <laughs> but, I mean, there's been other instances too, you know, just little stuff. But people, you know, threatening that, 
you know, you're coming after my family and my money, you know, don't do that. Don't take my customers and blah, blah, blah. But I'd like to think that whenever I was there working that, you know, really those were kind of my customers mm-hmm. because I was the one smoothing everything over and communicating with them and letting them know exactly what was wrong because to be honest you know you deal with the dealer and a lot of it is communication you got you got four different parties that you're trying to deal with and trying to get answers out of rather than just one person you know yeah and that's what i don't fucking understand yeah you got your what i don't even remember what they were but i kind of laugh about it now because i don't know they they really thought that I was out there, like, undercutting them and doing work for really cheap to get all the work, mm-hmm. but it it wasn't even close to like that. Yeah. I don't know. It just it blew my mind when you called me that day. Because I remember I was sitting at the lunch table at work, and you're like, these motherfuckers, you know, are doing this shit. And because kind of the same shit, dude. I, I left originally to go out on my own. And I told them straight up, like, I'm going to go work for this customer and, or, well, not customer, but these people. And in the process, I'm going to buy my own truck and start working out on my own. And they took that as, oh, you're going to steal our customers. And your wife still works for us, so she's going to give you all of our customers. So she's gone. <laughs> yeah. I already had my clientele. You know, I still have clientele from there. Yep. People call me all the time for to do work. I'm like, no, I, I'm... I'm busy enough as it is, so. But, uh, I mean, a lot of it, too, is I I got them a lot of customers just word of mouth also. You yeah. know, hey, this yeah. is Spencer. You know, he works for Deer. Call him. <laughs> I thought you were going to say. You know. I thought you were going to say the name. No. no, he, you know, he works for Deer. Call him directly. You know, he'll schedule it. He'll get you, you know, pretty much. I worked out of town a lot, mm-hmm. and I dealt with the customers 100% directly. Yeah. That way I could control the schedule. I didn't have nobody telling me whenever I was going to have to leave my family to go work for, you know, three weeks out of the month. You know, then you get, you start getting, you know, other cells involved and then it becomes, okay, now your family's not important. Now you, you have to go out of town. So a big thing that bugged me about working for the big dog like that, you go bust your ass start your day five o'clock in the morning you don't roll into the house till 11 o'clock at night and they expect your ass to be up early the next morning and you know act like you didn't do fucking shit yesterday type thing you know and compensation was a big thing for me i mean Um, compensation's a big deal you know i'd like to feel like i got pretty well compensated whenever i worked there um or obviously I wouldn't have worked there very long. Mm-hmm. But there was a couple times that I did. I had to step in and say, I'm, you know, no, I'm not I'm not willing to do this anymore because, you know, I don't feel like I'm getting compensated for it or appreciated, you know. And if, if that's the way y'all feel about it, then, you know, maybe y'all could send another guy out from another store. Yeah. Well... Going off what I just said, you know, like I said, you bust in your ass, have a great efficiency rate type thing. I don't know if they did efficiency for you. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, efficiency. You have your quarterly meeting or whatever, how you're doing. Yep. Everything's perfect across the board, no rework, nothing. But they still find a problem to fucking... Well, they have to. Yeah. They gotta, uh, it just bugs the shit out of me. They got to keep you under that pay scale a little bit. Meanwhile, I'm working for my boss now. Fucked up a bunch of times. I bet. Tells me... <laughs> I pre- call, Called me the other day, just randomly. Calls me at 5.30 in the morning. Uh, just calling to say hello. Uh, and I appreciate you being here. That's what he fucking told me. I, that just made my fucking, like, week. You yeah. know what I mean? Then you went and worked harder, I'm sure. Yeah, well, I bust my ass, man. But I, yeah, it's just it's shit like that. I thought it was I thought it was pretty awesome. Um, but yeah, I just uh, I'm glad to be out of the the big warehouse type thing. Yeah, it feels good. Um, it's got its own struggles, I guess. But but at the same time, I also miss it. I miss being in that big truck with them customers and shit, you know. But. I miss being able to, like, once you clock out, you don't have to worry about anything. <laughs> That's probably my biggest miss. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I always had to worry about shit there. Yeah, now it's like, dang, it doesn't really matter what time of the day it is. If somebody calls, you pretty much got to be the first one to reply or somebody else is looking for something to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the brotherhood that a lot of us had there, too. I miss that. Yeah. I mean, a lot of my good friends still work there, mm-hmm. and I still talk to them. And I'd like to think that everything blew over and everything's good now. But who really knows? I mean, some of them have to fake that smile when yeah. they're picking up parts. But that's okay. You fake that smile. It all changed so fast. Oh yeah. I mean, even from the time that I started, within probably three years, it was. You know, whenever I first started, I bet. I don't know. I bet somebody took me out to lunch probably like three times a week mm-hmm. for probably the first year. So let's talk about that, actually. You know, uh, dealerships. And why do you think places like that that we used to work for, why do you think they have such a high turnover rate? If I had to guess, I don't know, but I would think they they kind of forgot how to treat the people that are working for them right now. They, they kind of lost it. Do you, you want to know my honest opinion on that, t- what you just said? Employees just become a number. Yeah, they. I mean, they do kind of think that it, uh, but everything's kind of irreplaceable, I guess you could say, but not so much. I don't know. I'm not sure. I The times have changed a lot. Yeah, but. During COVID you know, and everything they, else. You work for one company and they talk absolute shit about the competitor and say you're just a number for this company that company if you work for them and you know they treat you like shit and it's like sitting there like that's what we are (laughs) yeah you know and then it never starts out like that it's always like a couple years in yeah i just i think shit just gets way too out of hand and then you start putting too many people in charge or the wrong people in charge and that's when shit starts going downhill that's yeah. I'd say the pressure starts getting on them when you and I got the new service manager. In my opinion, that's when shit started going down. But that's just our opinion, yeah. <laughs> or my opinion. Well, I don't. I feel like it kind of went down once they kind of quit catering to the employee and they kind of gathered more on the customer side and they started kind of really caring about. You know, 
how the customer felt more than the employee felt. Which, I mean, I see it from both sides now, but you have to take care of the people doing the work mm-hmm. or you're not going to have no work. But we we catered the meeting the other day. That's not enough? Oh, yeah. <laughs> they, they got us a, we got the, a watered-down bacon and yeah. some watered eggs. Yeah, stomach ache. Yeah. But it, it started out, you know, we was always going to different, you know, breakfasts and mm-hmm. lunch and team-filled team meetings and... Then next thing you know, only a few people are getting invited to the team meetings and stuff okay. like that. I, I see where you're going with this, and we're talking about the the uh, the buddy buddy groups. Yeah, which is a big thing. That's everywhere, though. I mean, you're gonna have no matter who you work for, you're gonna have stuff like that. Yeah, but I'm talking upper management. Yeah. Buddy. Anyway, I'm sure they're when they hear this episode because you know they listen. They're going to be throwing a fit. Maybe. <laughs> so let's, uh, I, I know we kind of, oops, we kind of uh, talked about parts earlier, but let's talk about if you had to supply parts, would you? Uh, me personally, I wouldn't. Um, just because, for one, the customer usually gets a better rate on their parts versus me marking them up so high and then you know for two i'm not going to supply them and be out all the money and the parts and the labor and then now i don't get paid or take the chance of not getting paid <coughs> you know it's not worth it to me and you know you're going to add on a 30 percent fee for is the it, customer is that how much it is <coughs> excuse me um thank you uh, i would like to thank you know you have to mark it up. Yeah, but what, how, do you, how do you know? Uh, I've always wondered that. Like, how do you know what to mark up parts on something? Do you go yeah. by a percentage or like, oh, this sounds good? <coughs> well, just, I guess. Uh, sorry, uh, Spencer was over here choking on a dick. A dip. A dip. Oh, a dip. Yep. Copenhagen. <laughs> specific. No, I, I, uh, yeah, I, I would assume that you got to mark it up. I mean, I'm not going to front nobody, you know, tens of thousands of dollars in parts mm-hmm. for no fee. Um, and then on top of that, that's a risk. You know, then they don't pay you for another 90 days. That's, that's money out of your business. Yeah, no shit. So, hmm, do the, do, do your customers have a problem with that at all? Oh, no. no. They, They'd much rather pay somebody to go pick up them parts than pay me to go pick them up. Oh, hell yeah. I, that's not even what I meant. Just like, yeah, really, you're going to come out here and do this job and you're just not going to supply the parts? Like, no, no, I mean, every now and then they'll ask me to like look up the parts, you know, give them part numbers and what, what all they're going to need. So how do, but, you, how do you go about, do you do that? Uh, most of the time, you know, I got connections at other places that, you know, I'll call in and tell them. <laughs> yeah. I'll give them the serial number, you know. They usually yeah, like it. me. I got you. I do the same thing sometimes. Yeah, I mean, but really, it's no more than what they can do to call it in and say. They pretty much know why they're calling me. I always try to tell them, too, like, hey, if you think this is bad, go ahead and order this, too, and that, too. And then, you know, if we don't use it, return it. Mm-hmm. It's better to have it there Yeah. than to have to leave and go get it. I agree. 
So I, uh, something I want to touch on since you're out on your own, uh, how important it, is it? I still can't say it. How important is it t- to you to communicate professionally? Um, I mean, it's pretty important. You got to really be careful what you say and how you say it, I think, to a lot of these people. So you got to kind of do a lot of it in text messages. Yeah. You know, whenever you're sending numbers. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you're sending numbers, I guess. But a lot of people, they'll try to hold you. You know, you said this. No, I didn't. I didn't say that. We can go back and look. (laughs) You know, but I... A lot of those customers, I don't even really try to keep around, not in a bad way, not saying that they're not worth it, but if if you're balking on a bill or you don't want to pay, you know, what I have to offer for my time to come out there and be willing to fix your stuff, then, uh, you know, you're all you're doing is taking more time out of my day to try to, you know, make it not worth me coming out. Yeah. No, what? I can see it. I'm I'm still too scared to go out on my own. But, you know, yes, you do have to. A lot of these customers are just like us, though. They, they've been doing this stuff a long time. Mm-hmm. They know they, they can read the bullshit. <laughs> so don't bullshit them. Yeah. No, that's. You don't. There's no need to bullshit. No. And especially in this industry, just to be straight up. A lot of people yeah. appreciate that. And that's like, don't tell somebody you're going to be there on, you know, the 18th, knowing that you can't be there on the 18th. <laughs> so, I, I mean, that's what they, they're burned out on that. Mm-hmm. You know, and to be honest, that's what a lot of these dealerships are doing. They're making promises they can't keep. And that's why they keep on coming back. It's because whenever I say I'm going to be there, I'm there. Yeah, the- that's why I leave myself that one day. Yeah, a little leeway. There's a there's a big thing to where, you know, people can't find technicians right now, and I know my wife deals with it a lot. Of you know, calls are coming in, calls are coming in, calls are coming in, and well, she's like two months out type thing. Yep. Like how how are you, how how you as a customer, how would you feel about that? Like you got a machine that's down, and they can't come out for a month and a half or whatever. If are you like, gonna call an independent guy or what? Oh, as far as being a, you know, a owner of a machine that is worth half a million dollars or more, mm-hmm. that's making you money on your job. I mean, I would figure out whoever's going to fix it. Yeah, it's just it blows my mind, but you know, kind you of know. mechanic work too though. You if it's down for y'all, it's it's down. Mm-hmm. It's not really moving. Yeah. As for me, you know, they can kind of schedule a little bit better. Some of them can schedule a little bit better than what they do, but I understand, you know, just like communication. Communication on their side, you know, they're not, the, you know, the foreman's not communicating with the equipment manager mm-hmm. to whenever it needs to be down. Yes. Thank so you for saying that. <laughs> that uh, it's all about scheduling for, for me whenever they need to schedule. They need to call me like a week before they know they're going to down it or move it, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. Uh, let's go back, I guess, a little bit. What's uh, some of the stuff that you didn't put much thought into, you know, that is important now, I guess? It would definitely be um, 
you know, some of the MSHA paperwork, I, I didn't really think I was going to be in a lot of mine sites, mm-hmm. you know, but now that I'm in a, quite a few of them, you know, I got, can't really just go online and do it. Yeah. You, you gotta, you gotta have a good customer that's willing to, uh, pretty much let you sit in some of their classes. And then now, you know, I got this employee, he, uh, I'm going to have to send him to the three day MCHA class mm-hmm. he's going to have to sit through it. And then another thing probably is, uh, you know, selling myself to new customers, you know, they, all my old customers, they know what I can do. They know how I work and, you know, kind of what the price is and how it works and, you know, I say I'm going to show up, and I show up. The new customers, they're still kind of iffy, you know. They've been burnt so many times of somebody saying that they're going to show up, and they never show up, or they just get shitty work. Yeah. And they're they're kind of used to that, getting shitty work. So they're, they're all, the new customers always kind of watch a little bit closer until, like, the first few jobs, and then they're like, okay, this guy, you know, he cares about what he does. He does quality work. He always checks everything before he leaves. You know, I would say that I never thought I would have to sell myself so hard to somebody. That that's I always get nervous. You know, a new customer. Yeah, one one thing I, I appreciate about you and your work is at the end, you always paint your shit. Oh yeah, and I don't care if it's an orange machine or yellow machine you always paint the motherfucker <laughs> yeah <laughs> it makes me laugh they don't cost no extra i mean yeah. that's just showing that you care about what you do i guess but really i mean if the weld don't hold the paint will <laughs> i'm kidding <laughs> that's awesome so no, I, I mean i don't know just weird stuff i guess i'm different it's kind of know. an ocd thing huh? yeah just like if I go to a new customer, I'm always weird. Like, I'll wash my truck before I go, and I'll always make sure everything's organized. But your shit always looks pimp. I try to. It's always been that way. Had but. the oldest truck up there at the deer dealership. Always kept the cleanest. Yeah. I tried. Yep. Never always worked. Mm-hmm. Y'all yeah. got old drums and stuff hanging out the back. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Man, really, I... What do you think? Should we just wrap this thing up? Yeah, we can. <laughs> so, I usually wrap up a podcast uh, asking somebody, like, I, I stole it. I'm buddies with Sweat and Grime guys podcast. Uh, I usually ask at the end, like, if you weren't doing this, what do you think you'd be doing? Or what was your dream job type thing? But you don't have to answer that. <laughs> I ask myself that all the time. I don't really know. I mean... Drug dealer. Well, I'd like to think I'd be like a professional hunter or something. <laughs> but I don't, one of them TV I don't shows. think that would support all my hobbies. Yeah. 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 Going off of that, I guess, but uh, do you have any advice for guys that, you know, who are wanting to do you know what we do or guys that are wanting to go out on their own because you're i think you're technically the third owner operator i'm going to have on this podcast so you know guys that are wanting to go out on their own listen a lot do you got yeah. any advice 
I mean, I don't, I mean, as far as being a mechanic and going out on your own, I run across a lot of them. I know a lot of them. There are a lot of good people. But there's a, there's a lot here in the Metroplex. And that, that would make me nervous. Like, there's not that many line bore, independent line bore guys here. And that's kind of why I felt more comfortable, I guess, kind of to an extent. So, hold on. What Spencer's saying is if you cross him and you try to start a line boring business here in the DFW area, he's going to cut your ass. Well, you better put out some good work and be fast. <laughs> I would, uh, I'd be willing to bet I could run with some of the best of them. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, go on. No, but I mean, as far as being a mechanic and going out on your own somewhere like here, local, I mean, you got to be willing to work cheap. Mm-hmm. And do good work and be cheap because there's not a lot of, I mean, there's, or let me rephrase that. There is a lot of independent mechanics. Mm-hmm. So that would kind of scare me to be an independent mechanic. 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 Independent. You know, I, some of my good friends, I tell them all the time, like, you better, you better have a badass customer base before you jump. Or try to get, like, contracted. Well, I don't know who the hell's going to contract, you know. Oh, I know for, a company for, that does for 80 bucks an hour, and they keep those guys fucking busy. Yeah, but do you want to work? I mean, $80 an hour, if you break that down, you know, you that's a lot of time. It is, but. I mean, that's a lot of time. It's job security to, it. to be out on your own, I guess. But, yeah, I get, I get what you're saying, because you, it's your own fuel and everything, too. Well, so. you got a truck payment. You got, yeah. you know. Yeah, I guess so. Eighty wouldn't be that much. I wouldn't You're focus right. so hard on, you know, having healthcare benefits because yeah. we won't get into that topic. <laughs> you riding dirty? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I could tell you how much I've spent out of pocket, and y'all, everybody paying all their healthcare benefits would probably cry. Yeah, no, I I understand. But yeah. there's a lot of companies out there right now too that offer 100% healthcare benefits. You know, that's that's a big game changer. Mm-hmm. If they could match their hourly wage, you know, to me, $80 an hour, that sounds like a lot to be an independent. But, you know, if you're supplying all your own consumables Mm -hmm. and your fuel and your truck, your insurance. I mean, to get in some of these mine sites, the insurance is ridiculous. Yeah, see, I, I I don't know none of nothing about this shit. Eighty dollars yeah. an hour sounds like a lot to me. But. It's yeah, it's not that much. Hmm. I, you know, you break it down, you spend. It's easy to spend five hundred dollars before you even leave the house in one morning. Yeah, and I'm sure the, with the fuel prices right now, I'm sure that hurts a little bit. Yeah, you know, you do you jump up whenever the prices get high, and start gouging your customers, or do you kind of just take that as a little bit of a loss in your fuel bill and uh not go up because are they going to remember that every time it goes up are you going to go up on your i mean to an extent yes you have to go up a little bit but you can't go up you know you're not going to go up 30 percent yeah across the board or or whatever your fee is and they they might remember that you know this motherfucker stayed yes where he was, you know, and I think they'd appreciate that and use you still, you know. I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know enough about it. But $80, I mean, I don't know. It all depends on how how 
cheap you're willing to work, I guess, <laughs> and what you're doing. I, I'm not sure. I don't know the mechanic side of it enough. It's all the same. Yeah. It's all the same, man. I mean, it's... I don't really know how to base it because I've never worked for myself, you know, so yeah. I don't know. But the another good topic, too, I guess, is if you are, are you okay, are you going to base yourself off $80 an hour and be held responsible and reliable for the same stuff that a dealer would? Okay, so a dealer is coming in there and they're making $165 an hour mm-hmm. and they do a repair and that repair fails, okay, they're going to call them back and that's rework. Yeah. So and now tech's still getting paid. Yes. So now you're working for $80 an hour. Mm-hmm. Now you got to go back and redo that repair for free. Yeah. But you're held to the same. Yeah. Same standard. Same standards that a dealer is. So yeah. you kind of got to base it off of. If you're doing the same work and the same repair, why, why are you cutting yourself so short? Yeah. It's definitely something to think about. I'm not going to go out on my own anytime soon. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I think we're going to close this one out. It wasn't crazy long, but uh, it was fun, yep. I guess. It's always better to do these interviews in person, even though I had to drive an hour to come see you. And it's hot. It's, it's hot, yeah. Sorry for the fan noise in the background, but get over it. Yes. Um, anyway. If you guys need to get a hold of Spencer, oh yeah, where can they find you on social media? Um, JPM Lineboring. JPM Lineboring. I don't know. He's going to get tagged. Uh, You'll see it. Um, If you guys need to get a hold of me, certifiedwrenchpodcast at gmail.com. I'm going to go through it, I guess. Certifiedwrench underscore podcast on Instagram. Facebook is just certifiedwrenchpodcast. And... Help brother out with some merch, you know. Um, I'm always looking to improve equipment and stuff like that, and the merch line helps. Um, you can find that on Linktree. It's on my Instagram, on my Facebook, on the in LinkedIn. It's all over the place. Uh, have a YouTube channel, which is terrible. I don't, have you watched my YouTube channel? No. Thank God. I'm over it's the YouTube. Fucking thing. terrible. I I'm trying. I can't do it. Um, and if you guys can go over whatever streaming platform you listen to me on, uh, Spotify, iTunes, whatever, if you can give me hopefully a five-star rating, if you love me enough. Um, and I know you can leave a written review on iTunes. If you can, you know, tell me you love me or something, that'd be great. Cause that just helps me out even more, you know, uh, the more stuff, the better, because it always makes the algorithms and shit whatever you know what i mean anyway thanks for coming on the podcast sir oh yeah thanks for having me and uh we will talk to you next time and maybe we can do something else have more people on yeah something and you guys listening thanks for tuning in sorry uh i've been kind of missing slacking shit's been crazy anyway until next time we'll see you guys